Amen. So good to gather together as the church on a Friday morning. And uh, so good to see all of you uh, here today. Well, it's a real privilege to have uh, Pastor Danny uh, Guyamuchi with us uh, this morning to be able to share the word. For those that don't know Pastor Danny, uh, he's actually, he was the founder of uh, Edge Church, a multi-site campus church uh, that's uh, certainly influenced not only our city but our nation and and certainly the the world. Uh, He's been an international speaker, hasn't been able to travel as much for health issues, but he's a real blessing uh, to the church, not only here in Adelaide, but also at large. He's a great communicator of the Word of God. His insight into Scripture is just incredible. Uh, he'll read a passage and see so many things in there. I'm there. How did he get all of that out of this one passage? Because I can't see any of it in there. But it is incredible, his insight in, into, into Scripture. And I've so appreciated his friendship and his input into the life of this church um, and, uh, and, and into my own life personally. I know you're going to be blessed this morning. Uh, we've certainly been blessed by his ministry over many years. And uh, I want you to give him a big, 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 big warm welcome as he comes to minister the Word of God this morning. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Bless you. Bless you. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Very good. Well, someone asked me this morning, how did you sleep last night? I said, like a baby. I wake up every two hours. So it was a little bit like that. So, uh, you know... Uh, about four o'clock I got up and uh, just wrestling with the Holy Spirit and I showed this to Pastor Tark because you're not going to believe it or you will believe it. I started to write some things down at four o'clock this morning. The first thing I wrote was moments need to turn to movement and movement needs to turn to momentum. (laughs) So when the Lord repeats himself he doesn't have a speech impediment. (laughs) He's trying to get a message across and so The moment Pastor Joe rang me and asked me to speak, literally five minutes later, I started to get burdened deeply for every pastor and leader that was going to be at this conference, as well as everybody else. And this morning, my little role, I believe, is to encourage leaders and pastors here and the rest of us, because if you smite the shepherd, you lose the sheep, you know. And I believe we're living in an incredible day. An amazing day and I'm going to share what God has put in my heart and I pray that it will be prophetic and real to what's happening now. Pastors in the room this morning, I believe God wants to, maybe this uh, mic, shall I, is that alright? Okay, all good? See how we go, shall I have a handheld? That might be better. But pastors in the room today, I believe, thank you, thank you. Pastors in the room and leaders, God is wanting to refresh you so that you can return to your post. And in returning to your post, there's a new season of rebuilding. And as I was praying this morning at home and just thinking about all this, I thought, wow, God, you want to do something special. Get ready. We're going to pray for pastors and leaders here this morning. But I was in Tasmania a few years ago. And as I'm flying into Devonport to preach at a revival meeting, I felt the Holy Spirit say, these people come every year for moments, but they never turn to movement and there's no momentum. The greatest thing that happened at this weekend was that I asked people to get themselves a prayer chair. I said, I have a prayer chair at home. And every day I sit in that prayer chair and talk to Jesus so that my moments turn into movement 
And those movements turn into momentum in my life. And it was a funny thing because by the end of our time together, a bunch of young people go, we went out and bought a chair yesterday. I went and got my prayer chair. And it's one thing about revival just being a moment. Thank God for the moments. Thank God for the suddenlies. And this weekend is one of those moments, but it's got to move to movement that turns to momentum. Thank you, brother, for being so sensitive to the Holy Spirit this morning. And God wants to empower us. Last night, we received an impartation by Pastor Tark. You know why? Because you didn't get a sermon, you got who he is. And Pastor Tark this morning, not because you're my friend, but I want to say this. I've not met a man in all the years that I've travelled that is so passionate for revival and consistent with it. Your prayer life, your fasting, your seeking God doesn't have a moment. It's the whole of your life. You do it all the time. And when I'm in your presence, I want to see revival. When I'm in your presence, I want to see more. Thank you for impacting my life over the years we've known each other. And so last night, God spoke through you. I want to speak today. I had a lot of other things. I had a few dad jokes as well, but I think, you know, you know, I was going to say, where did, uh, where did Noah get his lights for the ark from? What were they called? The lights on the ark. Floodlights. Anyway, that's really bad dad jokes. But I had a few dad jokes, but I think I've I got to move on. I want to speak this morning on the doorway to freedom. The doorway to freedom. I believe the greatest days for the church are in front of us. I am very, very excited. Now, when you hear me this morning, it might sound a little negative at first. We're going to go to a passage of Scripture in Isaiah 30 in just a moment. But the first time I read this Scripture many years ago, I thought, gee, God's angry. I thought, gee, God's in a bad mood. God wants to give us a good whack. Until I read it recently and I go, oh my goodness, I missed it. This passage of Scripture we're going to look at today is a picture of God's amazing love for His people. And in his amazing love, he wants his kids to come home. If there's ever a time when God is dealing with the church, it's right now. But he's not dealing to hurt, he's dealing to heal. He's dealing to restore, to bring us home to what he has. Much, a much used word right now is the reset. We've got a reset. All around the world, leaders are discussing what future church is going to look like. Another much used word today is deconstruction. People undoing what they've believed in. And for many, it's walking away from faith. For for many, it's walking away from God. A lot of churchians are leaving the church. And before COVID came, I remember one day just meditating on the Word. And these I've shared this in this church before, but there was going to be four responses to COVID. There would be church leavers. People that leave the church, I don't need the church. Well, you see, if you don't know the Christ of the church, church will never be enough. So there'll be church leavers, but there'll be church cleavers. And they are the people that want it like it used to be. We've got to get back to what it used to be. It's never going to be like it used to be. God's about to do something very fresh and new. When God got hold of Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, it says, And the Lord took hold of me, and then He shifted him. When God gets hold of us, He shifts us. He takes us to hidden potential. He takes us to the dead things in our lives and He, and he breathes over that. And God's about to breathe on the church like we've never 
seen before. And I have been praying through the night this morning, praying that pastors in this room are going to get clarity today on what God is calling us to do, that you're going to get confirmation today of what God's calling us to do. Because with much deconstruction, there's no reconstruction. Why would you knock a house down if you're not going to build another one on the same block and just park your whole family on the empty block? Everybody's deconstructing, not everybody, but lots of people destruct, destructing, that's probably a better word, deconstructing their faith and they don't, know, they don't know what to construct. And so I believe God right now is restoring truth back to the church. We're going to see a revival of truth like we've never seen before, married to power. It's going to be power and truth, not power without truth. And we're going to see Christ followers, followers and Christ seekers. And I want to tell you what that is. Christ followers is a new move of discipleship that God is bringing on the church right now. And discipleship doesn't start with programs. It's a proximity and it doesn't start with the speaker. It starts with the seeker. It starts with individual Christians going, what do I need to do, Lord? What must we do like the book of Acts? But Christ seekers are new people. We're going to see the greatest harvest of transforming growth, not transfer growth. Amen. We're going to see transforming growth where people are going to come in unchurched with no church traditions and they're going to find Christ in a short time. Maturity is going to come and they are going to seek to be discipled. Right now, I've got four young men. Uh, two of them have come off heroin. And I meet with them every week and they don't know much about Jesus. And I'm watching the Holy Spirit get hold of their lives. I shared with the church here, I think last time I was here, that one of them rang me and he goes, every time I turn on my phone to read the New Testament, why does it turn red all the time? I said, oh, the red is the words of Jesus. I won't tell you what his word was when he responded. It wasn't, he's not there yet, sanctification. <laughs> We've been getting together and going through the words of Jesus together. And what God is saying to him, in the last five weeks, he works on construction site. He's brought five or six new families to church that have never been to church before. Christ seekers, Christ followers, not church leavers and church cleavers. And so this morning, I believe I want to share something with us out of the book of Ezekiel chapter 30. But just before we go to that, I want to speak about three eras, two of them which I've lived in and one which we're about to see. When I was growing up, I grew up in legalism and that you need to obey the rules and, you know, if you don't wear these things and if the women don't have their head covered in worship. And we had all these set of rules and I grew up in that. I never want to go back to that. Legalism that came from law. But in the 70s, I saw a teaching which we called grace, which became liberalism and license, where you can do anything you want because we're saved by grace. Uh, that's to cheapen God's grace. Because the same grace that can save us can set us free, can set us up and can move us forward into our potential over time. And as I was praying recently, I felt the Holy Spirit say, we're about to move into a new season, and it's going to be a season of love and lordship. Some people would call that holiness. But so many people are confused about what holiness is. 
But let me tell you, love and lordship, where we don't have to do anything, but we want to. We want to worship Jesus. We want to serve Him. In view of what He's done for us, why wouldn't you want to serve Him? Do I have to serve? Do I have to be on a roster? No, you don't have to do anything. But when you have a revelation of what He's done for you personally, there is a love and lordship. You want to surrender. You want to serve because it's the doorway to freedom. And that's the era we are moving into. Now, moving along, and we go to first, um, uh, sorry, not Samuel. You can tell I didn't sleep last night. Um, Isaiah chapter 30. And I believe there's five things that God showed me in this passage that explain to us today, I think, where the church is at and where God wants to take us. You see, for too long in our modern contemporary churches, we've replaced hunger for God's truth to expressing our truth. But there's no such thing. Even Oprah says it is, but there's no such thing. The world's worldview has replaced God's worldview even in the church. And again, this sounds a little bit strong, but let me hang in there with me because this is the most beautiful passage we're going to look at when we see what God is going to restore. We've had sermons and talks rather than non-negotiable truths imparted to us and we haven't been able to grow in maturity, not in this church, but in lots of parts of the body of Christ. We've loved affection and caressing, but not adjusting and correcting by the Word of God. The Word of God is not just a devotional, it's a directional and it can show us how to live in freedom. And so today, let's go to Isaiah chapter 30. And there's five clear patterns, and I'll probably give them to you now. You can write them down, and then I'll go back and go over each one. Number one, the condition of the church. Number two, the cost of wrong pattern. Number three, the critique of God's pattern. And what I mean by that is how even in the church we critique God's pattern, and sometimes we go, oh, that's not grace. And we critique what God is actually saying. But this is the beautiful part, number four, the call to come home. And in Isaiah 30, there's this call from God to come home. And I believe we're living in that moment right now. And then there is covenant blessing promised. There's covenant blessing promised when we respond to dad's call to come home. And so when we go to Isaiah 30, verses 1 to 5, I'm going to read. What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. For without consulting me, you've gone down to Egypt for help. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You have tried to hide in his shade, but by trusting Pharaoh, you will be humiliated. And by depending on him, you'll be disgraced. For though his power extends to Zoan and his officials have arrived in Hanes, all who trust in him will be ashamed. He will not help you. Instead, he will disgrace you. The good news about God is that when we, as his kids, go away from his leadership pattern for our lives, he doesn't say, woe to these horrible people. He goes, woe to my rebellious children. And when I began to read this just recently, I thought, this is not God getting angry. This is a dad who loves his kids so much. He goes, come on, kids. Come on, kids. You're my kids. I own you, but you need to come home to the patterns that are going to really work because you're going down to the world. Egypt is a picture of the world. And you're learning from them stuff that's not going to help you. The modern church, and I'm speaking broadly now in the contemporary world, 
has replaced humility with celebrity, has replaced truth for trend, has replaced being spiritual to being successful. We've replaced lordship with leadership. Now there was a time, now we need all those things. We need them all to work together and we need leadership in the church. And I know there was a time it was just the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, but nobody did any work and the Holy Spirit doesn't get married to laziness. And so I believe we need the structures and patterns of God. Having said that, during the 80s and the 90s, and you need to judge what I'm saying today, but during the 80s and the 90s, we put on leadership conferences everywhere, how to break the 200 barrier and how to break the 400 barrier and how to get more bottoms on seats. Doesn't matter if they come from the church down the road because we had to be seen as being successful. And I remember praying one day and the Lord said, in our pursuit of successfulness and in our pursuit of leadership, we've lost lordship. Because when it flows out of lordship, it's not comparisons. It's not comparisons with how big that church is and how big that is. Are we, I remember praying one day and God saying, the substance of a church is up to you, the size is up to me. And so we've chased size rather than substance and God is changing this. We've gone from purpose to performance and we've gone from the eternal perspective to the temporal. Sadly, what we don't repent of, we will repeat. And COVID has been a blessing because all of a sudden we realise what's really important. There's more pastors wanting to resign right now, heaps of them under 40 years of age because what they pursued was bottoms on seats, buildings that looked amazing and those things are not wrong. We need those things. But they got the cart before the horse and they weren't uh, seeking the presence of God, discipleship, Christ formation. I remember one time I said to God, I said, how do I measure my success from your perspective? And he gave me Galatians 4.19, where Paul says, I groan as a woman about to give birth until Christ is fully formed in you. And he said, Christ formation in people is a genuine fruit of success when you put Christ in people and there's Christ formation. And so number one, we see the condition of the church and just like God is saying to the nation of Israel, and can I stop here and say this? I've been watching a pattern through the Bible that when God dealt with Israel, he would always go personally. Hey, my people, come back to me. Don't, don't go the way you're going. It's going to hurt you. Any father and mother wouldn't want their child to go down a track that's going to hurt them. And God is the perfect parent. And he goes, come on, my kids. But when Israel didn't listen, God would send prophets. And they would say, come on. And the word of the Lord would come prophetically for people that would come and challenge. But when they didn't listen to the prophets, then the Chaldeans, the world, ended up exposing the sin. Now, I'm not being negative today, but right now there's a great exposure all around the world of everything that's born in pride. The greatest key right now is humility. God is looking for humility in the church and across the abominations. I love the, I love the fact that Pastor uh, um, Tark has got such a fresh passion for kingdom. Every time I talk to you, it's not about a denomination, it's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. And you know, God right now is using the world and He's used COVID and a whole lot of other things to shake on what's really important. For those that numbers was important, now the numbers have gone down and pastors want to resign going, what are we going to do now? 
everything that we need to do to see Christ formation in those that are hanging around and saying, I don't want to just be a church goer. I want to be a Christ follower. My friends today, one look at the New Testament and we see the Bible is full of one another. You cannot do one another online unless that's the only way you can do it and God will give you grace for that. But you can't do one another online. We need to support one another. We need to challenge one another. The Bible's full. There's hundreds of one another's and people go, I don't need to go to church. One of the things that people don't talk much about is there are seven false prophets in the New Testament that are going to hit the planet in the last days. And if we're not in relationship of accountability, we're going to turn online. We're going to hear stuff we think sounds good and it's actually heresy. And so we need to be undercovering pastors that love us. I know in this house, I've been in Pastor Tark's church many times. There's a protection. A covering is different than control. A covering is an umbrella. If you're out there in the rain and you have an umbrella over you, it protects you. I mean, I love umbrellas because it doesn't mess with my hair when, uh, when the rain falls, you know. But, uh, you know, an umbrella is no good two streets away. You're not covered by an umbrella if you're standing here and the umbrella is in America online. I'm sorry, but Joyce Meyer won't visit you when you're in hospital. She probably won't. She might have a private jet, but she won't come here to visit you. (laughs) And so covering is so important. And people go, I don't need to go to church. You know, why should we ask God to give us the concealed when we don't obey the already revealed? The revealed word of God says, don't forsake the assembling together. And so, oh yeah, but COVID. My goodness. John on the Isle of Patmos, and I'm going off my notes, but, but, but John on the Isle of Patmos is in the Spirit on the Lord's Day on an island full of mad people. We can be in the Spirit in the Lord's Day no matter what's going on around us. Come on. And so number one, the condition of the church has been more like the children of Israel in the wilderness. I wish I, I, wish I had time to teach on that. The church in the wilderness is a reflection of the modern church today, not the New Testament church. But the good news is this doesn't end bad. This story has a good ending. So hang in there. So number one, the condition of the church. Number two, the cost that you pay for disobedience. Verse six and seven. This message came to me concerning the animals in the Negev. The caravan moves slowly across the terrible desert to Egypt. Donkeys weighed down with riches and camels loaded with treasure, all to pay for Egypt's protection. They travel through the wilderness, a place of lionesses and lions, a place where vipers and poisonous snakes live. All this and Egypt will give you nothing in return. Egypt's promises are worthless. Therefore, I call her Rahab the harmless dragon." There is a cost when we follow man's ways of building the church. You see, I love the story of Daniel. He's a young man, 17 years of age probably. In Judah, he gets brought into Babylon and he doesn't get changed by Babylon. Babylon was changed by what was on him. We, the church, are from that place of Judah, the place of praise, the tribe of Judah. What we've done in order to be relevant over the last 30 years is we've taken the culture of the world of Babylon and we've brought it into the church to the people of Judah when we're the ones that are supposed to influence Babylon. 
See, Daniel understood the language of Babylon. It's okay to be contemporary and and to relate to your world. But we come from a different place. We have a different language. We have a different culture. And right now, all over the world, pastors are burning out. Pastors are breaking down. Pastors are building through the flesh. And I want to tell you, my friends, we're getting back to Judah. We're getting back to praise. We're getting back to being the people of God. And it's exciting. We're returning home. And this is a great day. And it's not going to be measured by how many people are in church on Sunday, but is Christ alive in the house? Are people being discipled? Are people's lives being changed? You know, sadly for those of us that are Pentecostal, is we still get caught up with gift. And sometimes we forget character. I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor in the early days. And there was a man travelling Australia who was one of the greatest evangelists. And whenever he prayed for you, you hit the floor. The power of God would flow through him, stayed in my home. And by night I said to Sharon, something's not right. The camp meetings, our youth camp meetings were awesome, but something wasn't right. When we were asleep at night, he said to me, I can't sleep during the night. Can I use your car and just go for a drive or go out for a prayer or whatever? I said, sure, take the keys, go for it. He was going and buying pornographic material on video back then and coming back and watching it in my home. Every morning he would get on the keyboards and my children would watch him play keyboard and tears would well up in their eyes, the presence that would come into that room. I got so confused because I knew something wasn't right. And I remember one night we didn't have phones back then and I just had a piece of paper, a little notepad and a pen next to my bed and I wrote these words. Rebellion leads to an independent spirit. An independent spirit leads to hardening of the heart. Hardening of the heart leads to dullness of hearing. And dullness of hearing leads to deception. And deception leads to perversion. I'd never heard that before. It freaked me out. A short time later, I'm in England. And I'm preaching in a pastor's conference in England. And I use the story. At the end of the meeting, a man come running up to me and says, I know who you were talking about. I said, what? Never mentioned any names, just said what I just told you. He goes, no, we know who you're talking about. He's our nephew. And he sends us videos from Australia of the power ministry that he has. And every time we watch it, we sense there's something dirty. That man has gone now. He's on his fourth marriage. Still travelling the world as an evangelist. Because somehow we think that the gift is more important than the character. The good news is God wants us to operate in his gifts. And the good news is we're going to see more miracles and more power than we've ever seen. And I believe in the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. And I believe what he's doing in the world right now. But it's got to be matched by a character that can carry that gift so that it's not about us, it's about him. And it's not about our ministry, but it's about ministering to people and seeing them restored. And so right now, I don't need to go into it in detail, Around our world right now, the newspapers are going crazy about contemporary churches and the sin. Well, of course, the Bible predicts these things. Why should we get discouraged? But it's a call from daddy to come home. This is not a call go, well, I've had church and I don't trust anybody anymore and I'm out of here. Well, people that don't walk with Jesus and only walk with church can use that excuse. But if you're walking with Jesus, you're going to want to build what he's building. And he said he would build his church and I want to build what he's building. And I want to tell you the greatest days are ahead of us. If we understand the condition 
then we can come home. But the critique of the church, number three, from people that are not wanting to be transformed. Listen to this. I'm going to skip down a bit and I'm just going to run ahead of myself a little bit. Listen to this. They tell the seers. Now, this is the people of God that are not listening to God. They tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all this gloom. Get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your Holy One of Israel. It's interesting that when people are cold or dry, like we heard last night, people like that hate vision talk. Whenever I used to preach vision in our church, a God vision, you know, people that just, they were just churches, they were barely there, always talking about vision and, and always talking about money. I thought, no, we're not. We're not always talking about money. But in their mind, they hate truth. We call it control. We don't want to be controlled. And it's actually the doorway to freedom. The truth of God sets us free, not binds us up. We want what's nice, not what's right. Happy to follow lies. Preachers online who don't preach the whole counsel of God, just the nice bits. They call reality gloom and lack of grace. They don't want too much God talk. It may offend or upset someone. If we're truly honest, this is a pretty clear picture of the ineffective modern church of today. That the, but the good news is God has a better doorway of freedom. And we're about to be part of that. I'm going to be part of that. I felt God say to me, don't address one negative thing unless you got the answer. Anybody can get up and go, oh, the church sucks. Anybody can do that. I think the church is going to get better and better and better. It might not be measured like it used to be measured. It might be that there won't be labels everywhere. Can I say this? It was about five years ago, God said, I'm going to turn labels into Babels. The Tower of Babel is a label. Let's make something that'll make our name great. Last time I checked, it's Jesus' name that needs to be made great. And that's the name we want on our door. I do thank the Lord for the humility in this place and the wonderful leadership in this place because it's not, I love what I love about Pastor Joe and his team and his wife is they don't want to be anybody else. This is who we are. But that's what God wants. He doesn't want us to be an imitation of someone else. He wants us to be an original. I tell you what, I bought an old Mustang and this old Mustang I thought was amazing. I thought I was going to make a hundred grand on this car until I found out it didn't have a lot of original parts. And you can look at another one that looks exactly the same and it's worth 50 grand more. Why? Because mine didn't have original parts. It was an imitation of the real thing. It's nowhere near as worth as the real thing. And I thank God today that God is not wanting cookie cutter churches, cookie cutter Christians when one size fits all. I want to go to Pastor Tark's church and be inspired by the revival spirit in that place. God gives us all strengths that we bring to each other and build the kingdom together. But now we come to the good news and it's the call to come home. Verses 15 to 22. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me. And resting in me. Talking about striving. Since I handed over my church, and I'm going to be really open and honest, I reckon I spent 70% of my time doing all the stuff that needed to be done and only 30% in my gift. But when I handed the church over and only stayed in my gift, a rest came. Because today we expect from pastors what God never expects. 
If a pastor could only stay in their gift and operate in their gift and all of us did our part because it's not the laity and the clergy, but what it is is all of us as the body doing our part, we would get the best out of everybody and we wouldn't get burn out, we would get burn on. My wife says to me, don't you get peopled out? I said, no, I get really fueled up. Why? Because I'm in my gift. I'm doing what God put me on the planet. And I'm also Italian. Okay. (laughs) This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Pastors in this room today, there's a new quietness and confidence. It's not in the striving and the shouting and the, like I'm doing now. Uh, But, you know, in quietness and confidence is your strength. But this is what happened with the people of Israel, but you wouldn't have none of it. You said, no, we will get our help from Egypt. They will give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you're going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. One of them will chase a thousand of you. Five of them will make all of you flee. You will be left like a lonely flagpole on a hill or a tattered banner on a distant mountaintop. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him. I bawled my eyes out. I thought, here's this rebellious nation. And God says, I'll wait. I'll wait for you to come. What a parent. What a God who looks at our Western world and it doesn't even reflect the New Testament church. And he doesn't say, that's it. I'm going to give my power to the Muslims. No, I'm going to give my power to Buddha. No, there's only one God. And And Jesus said he will build his church. So he says, I'll just sit and wait. Go and do it your way. Get exhausted. Have to go and get hours of counselling to get your head back in order. And when you've quietened down and wait upon me, I'm here waiting for you. When I read that, because I was raised in legalism, and it's like, you know, the church is going to hell, the church is doing this, the Lord's coming back soon because of the apostate church. No, no, I'm excited. Because our Heavenly Father is a lot more patient than we, we think. And he lets us go our way. Sometimes we'll do it with pure motives. There's a lot of things I did wrong as a pastor, but I believe they were right. And you know, God's got grace for that because I wasn't in rebellion. I was trying to follow God. But we've got to be like this group over here. And we need to do that because that's what needs to be done. And that's because I just wanted to honour people above us. And I wanted to honour the kingdom. But there were mistakes we made. We measured success the wrong way. Unless you do certain songs, you're not trendy enough. Unless you're doing this, you're not cool enough. And I tried to fit in and then realised, no, God doesn't want us to fit into that stuff. There's a difference between biblical pattern and fads. And fads come and go, but biblical pattern can allow for creativity where you can have churches of all different sizes. And what I prophesy today God is going to do is we're going to see an explosion of different expressions of the church. We're going to see churches that are going to meet on a Wednesday. They're going to be in the community. They're going to do And we're going to say, oh, they don't do church like we do it. But instead of comparing, we're going to complement each other and go, let's be the kingdom. Let's cheer one another on. And God is doing that. And number five... We see God's promise of covenant blessing. This is it. Listen to this. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. 
Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, He will still be with you to teach you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear Him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go. There's pastors in this room and for the last two years, the confusion that's hit your mind and this morning he's saying, I will personally teach you. Don't go looking outside to get the answer. If you sit quietly before me, I will teach you the way you should go. See, too many people do Christ in the second person. They do it through church. But when Christ connects with you personally, and I know I've said this a lot, and I hope it doesn't get too much, but when my son passed away, I couldn't remember all the sermons that I'd heard over the years. But I remembered the ones God gave me. One of the very first sermons that God gave me was about Paul in a storm, being shipwrecked on the way to Rome as a prisoner. And he stands up in this boat that's falling apart and he goes, stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. He took bread and he broke it. and He said, give thanks. How can you give thanks in a storm? You notice they didn't get cherry ripes. They didn't have them in those days. Or chocolate or lollies. He just took bread. Do you know the basics of the word of God? are stronger than anything the world's got to give us. And when we're in the midst of COVID or anything else and in the midst of a storm and we stay in the boat of His call and we stay in the boat of our convictions and we stay in the boat of building the church that Jesus called us to build, I'm telling you, my friends, we can take food, we can break bread and say, God, Your Word is enough to sustain me and to keep me in the midst of the storm. And then He says, throw overboard the excess wheat and the stuff that's going to cause you to sink. Do you know what COVID's done for me and my son's death even more? Get rid of the stuff in your life you don't need. Get rid of the stuff overboard that you don't need in your life. Throw overboard the stuff that you can't take. Live a life of forgiveness. This might sound strange, but for the last three weeks, because I'm so passionate about some things, I start praying and I don't even say, good morning, Lord, how are you going? You don't ask God how he's going, but I mean, you know, good morning, Lord. I just get straight in, Lord, bless the meetings today. And I've just started going through the Lord's Prayer again. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. At four o'clock this morning, feeling quite weak, I said, God, I honour your name. I worship your name. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that same prayer says if we don't forgive those that have heard us, God won't forgive us. So all of a sudden I say, God, is there anyone that I'm a bit ticked off with? Sometimes I get ticked off. And Lord, just cleanse me, forgive me. Give us this day our daily bread. God, we need your anointing at this conference. We need daily bread. Lord, the pastors that are here are tired, some of them. They don't know where to go next and struggling with buildings and struggling with people coming back. And I'm praying this morning, said, God, give us our daily bread to build your kingdom. For yours is the kingdom, not my kingdom, not my will be done. Then you will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images and you will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, good riddance. And verse 23, then the Lord will bless you with rain at planting time. He will heal his people. Verse 26, 
The will, he will sift out proud nations. The people of God will sing a song of joy. Good news, we are about to walk through the doors of freedom. Verse 19, listen, our tears will stop. Our tears will stop. There are times of tears and tears are the oil on the hinges of our heart to keep us soft. But he will be gracious if we ask for help. He will respond. Verse 20, we can return to truth again. Verse 20 again, he will personally teach us. He will personally teach us. I believe unless you walk with Jesus personally, you can't walk with a local church purposely. A lot of people go, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I've been working in this church all these years. Well, the thing is, you're not working, you're worshipping. And every one of us has been given a God shape. And every time we serve Jesus out of a passion to build his kingdom, we get released into the gifts that he's put on our lives and we get to witness to people around us and we get to show people uh, who God is. And, uh, you know, our son runs a, a charity. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to tell you the story, but I will. And so he rings me about three weeks ago and he said, Dad, the council says unless we spend $190,000, we cannot get permission to put all the beds in that we want to put in for street people and the showers that we want to put in for people to come in and have showers off the street. He's feeding over a thousand people a week, free food and clothing and it's just a miracle of God and he's crying. He's going, Dad, we're never going to get that money. I said, well, God's will is God's bill. And so um, we saw that last time with the building next door. So he goes to Brisbane to preach at a church and the pastor says, you didn't know this, but we've been praying. And uh, we've been saving up to invest in your vision. And uh, we just want to give you a check for $90,000. And so Michael rings me and he goes, Dad, I, I can't believe this, but we still need 100 because we need 190. Three weeks ago, a man rings me up and he goes, I need to come and see you. Uh, I heard you preach at the church that I'm in up in the Adelaide Hills. And he goes, and God's told me I need to come and get some advice on how to hear the voice of God. I said, well, look, tomorrow I'm home, come at 10 o'clock. And he and his wife came. He's a farmer, a uh, milk farmer. And so he, uh, he walks into our house, just an old pair of shorts, pulls up in an old truck and he brought in boxes of food from his farm. You know, I've never seen pumpkins so big. Sharon goes, this is going to last for six months. And so, you know, um, he comes in and about an hour we talked about hearing the voice of God and then he pulls out a blank check. And he said, now God's told me that you need to fill in this blank check. And he said, even if it's the price of a house. And I said, I will never do that. I've never signed a check in my life. And I'm not going to sign a blank check and then worry about, was it enough? Was it a not enough? Was I too greedy? I said, I've never signed a check in all the years that I was pastor. I'm not going to do it. He goes, no, you got to. I said, no, if God told you to come, I said, you ask him to tell you. And he took the blank check out of my hands. He took a pen and he wrote a check for $100,000. He had no idea about our son. So I got on the phone. I rang Mike and I said, I've got a gentleman here who wants to talk to you. Then he's in tears. The giver's in tears. I'd be too if I had to give away that money. But you know what he said to me? He said, I found my purpose. God's put me on the planet to build the kingdom. Last week, I gave 400,000 to the Bible Society. He said, the week before, I gave 100,000 to Compassion. And he goes, we just live in an old house. 
I'm just driving the old truck. If I showed you his picture, just a pair of shorts, you know, the long socks with the thongs or the, the flip-flops. <laughs> I thought I would have to take up an offering for him. <laughs> you don't judge a cover by it. And writes me a cheque for $100,000. Michael's crying. He's crying. He goes, I had no idea. I just obeyed God. But now the miracle gets shared all the way around. And he says to me, Pastor Danny, if that story can encourage people's faith, share it, but don't ever mention our names. What integrity. What incredible integrity. But see, it's that personal connection with God. I shared this here one day at the church, but for those of you that are here for the conference, the Centre of Bible Engagement did a survey of 40,000 people on Bible reading habits. Those that read the Bible one time a week, it had no effect on their lives. Those that read it twice a week, no effect. Those that read it three times a week, there was a small effect. But when they read it four times a week, there was an amazing shift. Loneliness dropped 30%. Anger dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships, 40% drop. Alcoholism, 50% drop. Feeling spiritually stagnant, a 60% drop. Pornography, 61% drop. Sharing faith increased 200% and discipling others, 230%. The biggest shift post-COVID is personally falling in love with Jesus. Mask or no mask, jab or no jab. Let me tell you, the New Testament church grew in power when they were persecuted. And we go and run and hide. Where's the power of God? Well, handle your persecution biblically and watch the power flow. And I believe with all my heart, that God is showing us the condition of our current church world. He's also showing us the cost. If we keep going the way we used to, it's going to cost us a fortune. But let me tell you, there is a critique. We don't want this anymore. We don't want long sermons. We don't want this. We don't want that. We don't want that. And there's a critique because people are dry like we heard last night. But the good news is that God waits and he calls us to come. He doesn't say, get out of my face. If you're going to be like that, get out of my face. No, he goes, I'll wait. I'm waiting for you to come home. And when you come home, the tears are going to dry up. The joy is going to flow. The miracles are going to flow. Our greatest miracles, that story of Mike, I tell you, because there's pastors in this room that need to hear that today. We found out what happened last time with the buildings next door. And let me tell you, they shouldn't be the one-off stories. I believe when we get in line with the pattern of God's word, God is ready to pour out his power. He's willing to give us divine appointments. We're going to see more people come to Christ, I prophesy, in the next 10 years than we ever have before. And they're not going to come into church politics. They're not going to come into religion. They're not going to come into churchianity, but they're going to come to the Christ of the cross and the resurrected Christ. I'm excited. Can we stand to our feet? If the musicians can come, I'll leave it there for now. Uh, But just to leave pastors this thought, I shared all that and I said, God, what do you want? So in order for this to happen, what do you want? Two things. Let's commit to the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul. I want to see Christ fully formed in people. And so the great commandment is about spirituality. So spirituality is coming back to the church. Love your neighbour as yourself is ministry. Can you imagine if we became that? We wouldn't need departments called pastoral care. 
Even if we didn't have home groups, it wouldn't matter because the body is ministering to one another and we take care of one another. And this is not a sweeping, it sounds like a sweeping statement, but I believe that uh, the massive mega church model is probably not gonna be the way of the future as a general thing. There'll be apostolic houses and God will raise them. But I believe a smaller model and we could raise up sons and daughters rather than plant churches. And as we raise up sons and daughters and send them out, we can spread over cities and communities and we can see a move of God. And the Great Commission is go into all the world and make disciples. That means we need to be in community spirituality, maturity, community, and teach them all things and baptise them. That is discipleship, which I call proximity. So we need to get back to spirituality, maturity, community, and proximity to see the body of Christ come together and be a living organism, not just an organisation. Father, this morning, we thank You that You're a good parent. Thank You that You look at us when we're not getting it right and You don't get mad. You want us to come home. Thank You, Lord, that You wait patiently. You tell us to wait on You, but You're the one starting this and You wait for us to come. Thank You, Jesus, that even when we don't see things in faith and we critique and we get upset, You still wait. Thank You that You call us home and then You give us covenant blessing. Father, I thank You and I just pray today, we're going to go into worship and I'm not going to push this too long, but we're just going to go into worship. But I just feel any pastor and leader in this room that you feel you're on this journey and you need an empowerment in a moment today that's going to affect your movement and become momentum as you go back home. Why don't you just come and stand at this altar or kneel at this altar? We're only going to take a few minutes. We just want to put our arms around you and we want to pray with you that you go home refreshed, that you go back to your post, that you get resent to your post and you rebuild that which you thought was going to fall apart. Father, today, please, Lord, come and do something supernatural amongst us and your leaders. I pray in Jesus' Name. If you as a pastor and leader want to be prayed for or anybody else at that matter that you feel this applies to you, why don't you come as we just sing together in worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Just one thing, pastors and leaders here, you need to know, pastors and leaders have been on the front line of the devil's attack. The enemy's tried to come against pastors and leaders. People don't always understand what leaders on the front line go through. And it's been quite horrendous the last three, four years. And God wants to come and do a work. And this is the promise he gave me this morning. He said, tell the pastors that as they go home, in fact, if you're here as a pastor and leader and at the front, just put your hands out in front of you. Father, I pray for a moment of impartation for revelation. 
And God wants you to know as you go home and get into the Word, God is going to illuminate the Word that's going to give you direction for your next step. The Bible says it's the steps of the Lord, the steps of the godly are ordered by the Lord, not the leaps or the jumps. It's the steps. And God is going to order your steps. And this is what I felt this morning when I was praying. Tell the pastors that the Word does its own work. The Word does its own work. Don't strive. Let the Word come into you and let the Word, as you share it, let the Word do its own work. We're moving into an era where people that are hungry to receive, that want to get out of that valley of dry bones and they want to receive, as you share the Word, like we heard last night, the Word goes in and it does its own work. And pastors and leaders, you need to surrender today. And go, I stop fighting, Lord. I stop striving. And I felt this this morning when I was praying that if you've got one of your pastors out here, and even if you don't, and you're someone that serves in the congregation, will you come and give these pastors a hug this morning? Or put your arm around them and pray with them and just give God thanks for our leaders and pray that the Word will do its own work. Oh, Holy Spirit, send your Word to do its own work in our lives, I pray. Let's worship now. And as we worship, I open up the altar for people to come and pray for those that are here in Jesus' name. Father, right now, energize my brother. You know, the primary purpose of every believer is ultimately to develop intimacy with God. It's the primary purpose. Everything else flows out of that. Uh, Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Him. I don't want to just know about Him. I, want to, I don't want to just go into the presence of God so I can get something from God so that I can do something or whatever. It's I want to know Him. Moses said, teach me your ways, O Lord, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And I think we need to get back to that. And, and my heart, it just burns for you, oh God. I just want to know you, God. I just want to get closer to you, Lord God. I just want to enjoy your presence, oh God. And then everything else comes out of that relationship. Because it's in that place that God begins to speak to us. It's in that place that God begins to give us pictures of what he wants to do with our life. It's in that place that God begins to convict us as Pastor Tark was hey hey Joe we need to deal with some stuff but it's not negative it's a positive thing it's in that place where God does some of his greatest work in shaping the human heart our heart burns for you oh God and so Father we come before you at the close of this session we've heard uh, a great word Father and, and I just thank you Father so many truths, so, so many important principles for us, Lord God. And we just want to declare as we stand in your presence today that we don't want to be distracted by things around us, Lord God. Let's stay focused on what is really important, Father, and our hearts burn for you above all else. We want to know you, get closer to you, draw nearer to you, enjoy your presence, Lord God. Because, Father, we know that everything else flows out of that, Lord God. And your word says, come to me, or you who are weary and burdened, and I, I will give you rest. Just come to me. It's the invitation. Come to me. We just want to come to you, Lord God. Hear that voice of the Spirit, Lord God. 
honour and glorify you. Just thank you for this amazing group of people that have made time to be here. Just bless, guide, lead, Father God. Empower us to be everything you've called us to be, I pray. And I thank you for what you've begun to do here today. In Jesus' name. Amen.